Thanks for joining us on another awesome episode of the Wild Edible World podcast. I am only one of your hosts, Michael, and this episode, you can call me the Pesto Prince. Hey there, it's Steve. You can call me Tzatziki Steve this episode. Yum, this, is, uh, this is a pretty cool episode. I think so. This yeah. is This is probably the most commonly found... I don't know. I feel like all the a lot of the last ones have been. Anyway, this well, is episode Purslane. <laughs> yeah, it's Purslane. I mean, this is a, a another garden nuisance yeah. that uh, a lot of people encounter whenever they're weeding their gardens. Um, most people will recognize this plant because they're like, "What's this? How this succulent? This yeah. this plant that I buy at Home Depot own in my or er, show up in my garden?" And uh, a lot of the times, it's this plant Purslane, which, um, as we'll talk about, gets around. Um, and, we, you know, we also like to pick things um, that you can see pretty much all over the world. This is a plant that you're going to find, um, I'm pretty sure, on all the plant-growing continents, not the icy ones. Probably not the icy ones. Um, but if anything could do it, it might be this stuff. It really might be, yeah. Because it's resilient. It is resilient. It's got a lot of really fun uh, a lot of really fun facts associated with it. So purslane or... Little hogweed. Oh, I've or, never called it that. I've never called it that either. Or pursley. That's. Oh. I, I think. I think maybe that's somebody being cute. You know, like it's cute. Purslane, parsley, parsley. Yeah, I mean they're not comparable in flavor or not form, really. But yeah. they're green. It's adorable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's talk about let's talk about purslane. Yeah. So <laughs> the scientific name um, for the common. Purslane is, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but as we all know, it's a dead language, and nobody can come back and tell me that I'm saying it wrong. So, Portuleca, Portuleca, Ulracea. Oh, wait, so the C, okay, yeah, I think that's good enough. We're going to leave it there. It's good, yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It's the Portuleca um, genus, P-O-R-T-U-L-A-C-A. Um, so however that's pronounced, these th- that's the genus that this um, purslane is found under. Um, it's a low-to-the-ground-growing plant. It pretty much kind of comes out of the ground and it just like spreads out, sprawls yeah. out. Um, and it never gets any taller than around six inches in height. But it can grow out to, shoot, I don't know, like a f- couple feet. I've even, seen it maybe. pretty like, darn big, man. You can get them pretty big. Yeah. Um, they are really... Uh, succulent like um they are a succulent plant they're not i made the joke about find you know buying something in home depot you're not going to find this in a home depot store <laughs> you're going to find it in your whole foods or your For sure. organic you know whatever organic grocery store and they're are you know, next to the dandelion greens right so, yeah i saw it i saw it at the uh farmer's market in kalamazoo last weekend totally yeah, yeah. i mean it's it's this knowledge is getting around and these plants are becoming popular and we want everybody to not have to pay some exorbitant prices for something that you can find right in your own garden, in your own, you know, vacant, abandoned garden space. Even if you are uh, one who tends to neglect their land, uh, if I ever have any, uh, I, I tend to. Oh, dude, I neglect the shit out of my land. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, like, it's, it's, not, it's not out of neglect. I, I don't even call it neglect. I just, you know, I refuse to use any sort of pesticide. I'm not going to... I like dandelions. I'm not going to pull them from my front yard. My neighbor's probably hate me because i live in a little bit of an older neighborhood um but i like it so they no. can kick rocks they can kick rocks indeed because these are delicious nutritious plants and not only can they serve a purpose for our bellies but they serve a purpose for the garden exactly. they're there because uh they're they're 
fixing a problem. They're, they're fitting into a niche. And a lot of those times, whenever you, at the end of the year, whenever you mulch all this stuff up or whatever, uh, you're going to get a lot of these nutrients and a lot of nitrogen and stuff that these plants are bringing to the table that are really going to benefit your garden. So weeding them is a waste in more, more ways than one. But let's get back to the plant at hand. Yes. Um, the most recognizable feature, I think, is its leaves. Yeah. Right? Like, for you sure. just kind of look around and you see this succulent plant growing by your sidewalk or next to your tomato plants or whatever. Yeah, and it has uh, like a, the le- both the leaves and the uh, stems are, succ- or, are waxy. Yeah, waxy and, and thick. They look juicy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I get kind of a, natural foragers pavlovian response when i see something (laughs) that's just like that juicy and delicious looking it's not always right sometimes you know it's Mm -hmm. those tide pods or whatever that look so delicious that's triggering triggering those responses but uh definitely purslane is a delicious edible juicy succulent fat leaves so they've got uh they grow opposite so Mm -hmm. they're opposite leaves and they're pretty simple leaves, right? So they grow, they're, the leaves are probably around an inch long at longest. Yeah, at very longest, yeah. No teeth, just a small smooth. fold down the middle. Yeah, they're pretty smooth. Um, they don't even come to a point. They're round at the ends. And the stem is red. Yes. So with all those features combined, um, that's what you're going to notice most of the year. So mm-hmm. during the summer right now, I think we're kind of in between a flowering phase and the seeding phase. It's probably going to start seeding soon. Yeah, as you get to this point, you start seeing the cute little yellow flowers. Yeah. So, here. yeah, it, it flowers in the, I think it's in the mid-spring. It's, I, I wrote down somewhere, maybe not. Um, but, yeah, they have small yellow flowers, really, really tiny, adorable little yellow flowers. Um, and if you really need to take the time to figure out how many petals there are, it does have six petals. It's a really cute little flower. It is. It's adorable. I think it has twice as many stamen too, because it's got or two two little stamen in between each um, petal. But moving on, so the flower develops into this cup formation where it's like a, a fountain of seeds almost. It's like these seeds are just kind of like bubbling up from the center of this little cup, and they just spill out. And uh, let me tell you, that's that's I think how that's how this plant mostly reproduces. It can. Excuse me, it can propagate itself in a variety of ways, but the seeds, let me tell you. I mean, we both we both came across this fact <laughs> we were doing, at the same time. We were time. doing some seed, seed research, don't worry. And we? I literally, like, gasped because this plant, a single plant of purslane, can produce up to 240,000 individual seeds in its lifetime. It was, is, kind, of, it was kind of funny because while we were researching, you gasped, yeah. and I was like, that's a lot of seeds, <laughs> yeah, and we no hadn't contest. said anything out loud. <laughs> I just heard him gasp. Oh man, it's so funny. impressive! It is. It's pretty cool. So obviously, it gets around um, the entire planet through hundreds of thousands of seeds, but also it can be propagated through broken plant sections. Yeah. So it's it easily roots. Um, you're going to find this growing in your kind of uh, disturbed soils. So it's a really uh, I don't know if I aggressive is necessarily the right word, but it seizes uh, advantages. Definitely. Readily. Robust. Yeah. So we've got the uh, th- hundreds of thousands of seeds. And not only 
do they produce that many, but they're good. They stay viable for up to 40 years. Mm-hmm. That's half a, almost half a century that these seeds can just be like waiting for the right conditions, which it is almost undoubtedly going to encounter at some point in time. I just love, I admire that so much about this plant. Yeah, you love the seed, man. I'm really in- into like how just, uh, st- I don't know, determined it is you know yeah. <laughs> like just the little powder of the seeds but i mean every single part of this plant is pretty edible i'm not, I'm, the root structure isn't necessarily uh worth it it's pretty thin but i'm sure there's nothing toxic about it like the whole plant is yeah useful edible has been used by people for uh in a variety of ways for a really really long time um i'm excited for that part yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's the second part, as we all know. Um, but just one last thing. I guess we can talk about how it tastes a little bit. Um, it yeah. is a popular fresh vegetable. Like we said, we could find it uh, farmers markets. You mm-hmm. know, it's getting popular. I've eaten it raw. We, uh, you've tasted it Absolutely, raw. Absolutely, yeah. Um, as far as the texture is concerned, it's pretty much exactly what it looks like. It's yeah. juicy. It's kind of crunchy. It's got a little bit of a tang. A little bit of a tang. Sometimes people describe it with a little bit of saltiness, but I've heard that described for Virginia bluebells too, that it's got this like salty, oystery taste. Mm. And it's like, I don't know. Whenever I've had it, I've never encountered so much saltiness. But I suppose that my desire for salt is like really, really high all the time. So if it's Mine just too. like a touch yeah. of salt, I'm not going to really notice salt it that fan. much. Salt fans over here. And I think that it's uh, probably dependent on the soil it's growing into, whether it's going to be a little bit more sour or salty. Absolutely. So. I think I was reading a little bit about it, that they actually, it, the plant actually like, can pull salt out of soil. So it's very salt tolerant. Uh, so if you have like Oceanside, like, so what, what I imagined, uh. especially after doing like, some of the food research, is like, uh, Greece, the, like the Grecian like, coastline or yeah. something. Uh, this taking root and, uh, you know, kind of pulling some of the salt out so that other plants can take root there. Yeah, it does and a bit of a remediate, yeah, yeah, which is exactly. like so cool. What a helpful little little fella. You know, and I'm sure that other plants that get a bad rep, like dandelion, are doing the same thing. They're just not in ways that we're noticing it so much. Sure. You know? But that's amazing that it pulls out salt, and I'm sure that that's where it gets some of its salty flavor, and if it's Absolutely. pulling it out of the soil and redistributing it like that. That's fun. Uh, yeah, we've got a couple really cool... Uh, recipes for you in the second half uh, about uh, some Greek-inspired recipes because there's a long history, documented history. Of course, it's, there's a long history of its use all over the world, but there's the documented history and mostly Europe where like it's Italians and the Greeks, all sorts of old vegetable-style cooking. So we'll, we'll get to that in the second half. Um, yeah. But uh, unfortunately, until then, we're going to have to take a small break. We're going to check out this really cool forest preserve that we're, we're hanging out at right now. Um, yeah, this one's awesome. Yeah, it's Absolutely got cool. some nice water features. Should be uh, a nice, relaxing little place. People taking naps on the lawn. I mean, this is the picturesque park. Yeah, it is. I hope we find some cool stuff. Yep, and uh, so until then, um, thanks for listening to our ads. Uh, thanks for listening to us, and we'll be right back.
thank you for joining us back here on the Wild Edible World podcast. Thanks for listening to the ads, and thank you to Brett Westcott for doing our awesome music. Thanks to my lovely wife, Laura, for doing the awesome art. We love it. And thanks to Steve for being here oh, and doing thanks. this fun thanks, show with thanks me. Thanks to you, pal. Me have a good time. Yeah, definitely. Um, Let's so, get into what I consider to be the fun stuff. Yeah, the 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 better second half. Yes. So uh, I guess we'll start it out with some newts. Nutrient. All right. So per our usual hundred ga- grams, hundred uh, grams, you get three point three nine uh, grams of carbohydrates. 0.36 fat, a negligible amount of fat, uh, two point, or two grams of protein, and then uh, just to get into the vitamins there, a little bit of vitamin A. Um, actually, there's quite a bit of vitamin A. I, I don't know how many, how many 1,320 international units is, but hey. sounds like a good amount. Hey, man, that's enough for me. Absolutely. And then we have 4% thiamine. Uh, 9% riboflavin, 3% niacin, 6% B6, 3% folate, 25% vitamin C. That's a pretty good daily value. Uh, that's a good portion of vitamin C. Vitamin C. And then the kicker, vitamin E, 81% of your daily value. Um, and we were talking about this a little bit beforehand, yeah. about how vitamin E, uh, it's supposed to be good for your skin, right? It's really good for your skin, yeah. So, I mean, you can gain that benefit by eating it or you could probably just blend it up or you know smash it up into a pulse poultice and create a a creepy skin mask out of it i love creepy skin masks yeah (laughs) or what what do they call that a vegetable mask or you know cucumber mask or whatever but it sounds cool can we just keep it creepy skin mask yeah um Seven percent calcium, fifteen percent iron, nineteen percent magnesium, fourteen percent manganese, six percent phosphorus, eleven percent potassium, and two percent hmm. zinc. And what about H two O, Mike? What do we got? Oh, we got ninety three whole percents water. Lots of water, uh, mostly water. But that's—I mean—you can tell that by looking at it. You know? So to sum it all up, tied in a little bow, it's a deeply nutritious vegetable that is. Low carbohydrate because there's only three in yeah. three and a half ounces, which is a, a ton. Imagine three ounces of lettuce. That's or three and a half ounces of lettuce. That's what you would put in a salad if you worked for a popular noodle purveyor throughout oh. <laughs> throughout throughout the country. All right. uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, well, I mean, yeah, and just it, being able to exchange any portion of this, um, exchanging your iceberg lettuce with this, I mean, huge upgrade. Absolutely. Yeah. Nutritional upgrade faux show. Um, and then fun ways that it's used. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, there's tons of ways to eat, use it. So there's just regular in a salad. You can just munch on it on the trail. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good, fresh, yummy snack to have on the trail. Obviously, be careful of where you harvest it from. Because, um, like, right on the trail, you're going to get a little bit of uh, maybe grittiness from people's shoes or a little sure. bit of the gravel that can be involved. So... Um, we, we discussed earlier about how the soil it grows in can often change its flavor a little bit, but I think that's also the case with its texture. Um, some people experience a little bit of a sandy texture um, when they're chewing it, and that's partially because of how it grows whenever it comes like out of the soil and how fast it can grow sometimes. It's like mm-hmm. almost like a leak. Sometimes it just kind of like catches that grit in it while it's growing. But a lot of the times it is just kind of like 
It's kind of like a little bit of a gritty texture. I don't think I've never ex- excuse me. I've never experienced that so much. Um, it's usually just been kind of a crunchy, fresh vegetable for me. Yeah, that's that's been my experience as well. Um, I mean, we one of our good pals, uh, Orion, uh, over at oh yeah uh, Forge, Forge Colorado. Yeah, he, he used it Mr. A, Aeon. Yeah, he used it in a Greek salad. Yeah, on his Instagram, and I was drooling. Yeah, it looks so good. Amazing. I love a good Greek Grecan anything, but uh, yeah, it's a pretty traditional use of a wild vegetable that you know human humanity has been eating for countless years yeah absolutely i i read a recipe where someone used it in tzatziki uh Mm. which sounds like a really cool like textural component and definitely an awesome way to add uh nutrients and i love euros so i want that so bad (laughs) tzatziki steve that's me oh Uh, you caught that yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) i've uh seen it used in pesto too you know so sometimes you just need like kind of a neutral green for your pesto Mm -hmm. uh, to kind of bolster it a little bit if you don't have so much basil it's a great option for it. Yeah, pesto. Uh, I I saw one chimichurri. Of course, yeah. Uh, oh, s- great. Oh, the yeah. seeds. Oh yeah. So yeah, when you imagine when you manage to gather your two hundred forty thousand seeds <laughs> from your one purslane plant, you can then make flour with it. Yeah, which I thought I, that was fascinating. Yeah, I learned that today. That today I learned. And uh, what else? Oh, the uh, Aboriginal. Uh, Australians use the seeds to make seed cakes, which which makes sense. I mean, seeds are going to be like crazy dense nutrient wise, mm-hmm. and so it's uh, equivalent of I don't know, like a like a like a power bar. <laughs> yeah, probably. Or I I mean, I think of using it, putting them in crackers. You know, so if you're someone who is foraging a lot of things, you have a decent knowledge base. If you're able to collect a bunch of dock seeds and then grind those all up whole and all. Um, that's something we should we we'll have to catch that plant next year because we're a little bit out of season for it. Or maybe we'll catch it at the end of this year because it is edible all year round. However, I don't want to get too focused on another plant, too excited <laughs> about another plant while we're talking about purslane. But you can create crackers from this flower, and so if all you need to do is just incorporate more seeds and more grains, then you know a, a small portion of your two hundred forty thousand seeds uh, will make a wonderful little crunchy, nice little color yeah absolutely a great addition to some wild crackers so um is that is that all we got for the yeah i mean there's there's just a ton i mean it's there's lots of ways you can use it but that's that's those are the ones that stood out to me and the ones that i'm very excited to try yeah and hopefully this show can just kind of be a, a more of a leaping off point for some people that you know it's it's obvious how much this plant has been studied because of its long history and human connection that uh we've been determined to you know, get a get a lot of information about it. So, anybody willing to take their time, uh, maybe even a little bit longer than us, uh, could find a lot more information and a lot For more sure. more more complete than we have the time there's to so present mu- to you. Guys yeah, there's here. so much. I mean, we've been talking about mainly raw. Exactly. Or, or, you know, uses, but, I mean, you can use it in soups and stews. And yeah, yeah, just, you can pickle it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's it's really, there, there's so many recipes out there, mm-hmm. you know, we're not going to present anything necessarily original ideas here. Not till we start the cooking show, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Once Netflix hires us to do a cooking, <laughs> a wild cooking show, um, then it, it's only a matter of time, right? So um, beyond that, I have a little bit of uh, lore, some folklore, Ooh. which is kind of fun. So this is a... Uh, a plant that in you know more common magic days it was thought to be an anti-magic herb 
So you would actually sprinkle it around your bed or even lay it, you know, spread it on the bed and you sleep on it. And it's thought to protect you from, uh, you know, bad spirits, negative energies and stuff like that. Keep the spirits away. Which I thought that was kind of interesting. That's awesome. No, that's super fascinating. You know, that people just have this kind of uh, safe feeling about the plant, you yeah. know, that that's... I don't necessarily hold a uh, full stock in folklore or magic, uh, magical uses of plants, but I think what we receive from plants and how the intention we put to their use, I think is a really uh, interesting way to analyze like human behavior and interaction with plants and how we feel when we look at these things. You know, I, cause I, whenever I think about that, I'm like, Oh yeah, it's kind of a protective herb. It's, it makes people, uh, feel safe and happy it keeps away the negative energy the negative spirits uh i feel like i can feel that when i look at it yeah i mean i don't attribute the fact that i'm not a wizard currently to this plant um <laughs> but it just goes to show you uh, how important this plant is because that's what people do sure. they find an important plant something that's nutritious or that they use every day and they attribute uh awesome qualities to it and uh you know protecting from the bad beds is well, when you're living off of it, so yeah. whenever you, yeah, when you're living off of something that, like this, uh, being able to find more purposes, incorporating it into an almost ritualistic behavior to, like, um, you know, re reassure that safety and comfort that you find in a delicious, nutritious herb that is available a lot of the year. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I just thought it was cool. So I guess to end this all off, we're going to talk a little bit, just very slightly, about a toxic lookalike. There is a plant that is called spurge. It's so, the worst. Spurge, it's the word. It's the okay, that's that's not a very good just the it's worst. It's the worst. It's the worst. <laughs> um so but they have some ha they have like some similar habits as in they'll pop up mm -hmm. and they'll spread out from a central point. Yep. They grow they grow out, not up. They do have opposite forming leaves. Mm -hmm. Um there are a couple key differences though, where um they have a red stem too. Yeah. Red stem, green leaves. Yeah. So it is understandable if you're a little unsure whenever you're looking at these two plants. However, um, Spurge has red, hairy stems. Yes. So Purslane is completely smooth. It's going to be nice and waxy, smooth, yeah. like you said that, earlier. That's a big word, waxy. Yeah, waxy. It has this waxy polish to it. Spurge has none of that. No wax. It's a very flat uh, in, in color tone. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what's that called? Um, matte. Matte, exactly, yes. It's got a very matte. Uh, appearance to it and the stems while they are red they are also hairy so mm -hmm. that's another that's that's the main thing to keep and i know i'm repeating myself a little bit but uh if you're able to catch it early enough in the season when it's flowering spurge has white flowers mm -hmm. whereas purslane has yellow so that's another way you can make sure that you've got the right plant it just looks weak you know like it it looks like weak in comparison it Absolutely. looks like a like a skinny little nerd brother to it's stemmy it's thin <laughs> it doesn't look as juicy and just crunchy it looks like it would get caught in your teeth and it's going to be stringy yeah. um i feel like whenever you know how you can like look at things and if you want to imagine how it feels when you lick it you can kind of you already know before you have to i don't know if that's kind of a weird weird experience. I, yeah. I saw that on the internet once <laughs> if you see something and you think about what it feels like to lick that object most of the times your tongue like already knows what it feels like uh that, that's that's a little off topic so that's i mean i think that 
per, Spurge looks like it wouldn't taste good. I agree. You know, it, it looks look like, like it you can feel all. like it's going to be stringy. It's going to it's got hairy stem, so you know you're going to feel that. Yeah, but you look at Purslane and you're like, "Ooh. I just want to nama nama nama." Hey there. Yeah, hey, good looking. What's cooking? I mean, we didn't talk about what's cooking, but yeah. What's right. what's eating it raw? Soups. Yeah, soups. We That's a little soups. bit more sexual. We covered that a little bit. So uh, that brings us to the end of the Purslane episode. I think we we need to um, pull this train into the station, if I may use such a loose allegory. <laughs> a train and station <laughs> allegory. But yeah, thanks for listening to another awesome episode. We hope you hope you learned something. I know I learned something even just researching it. So just about and, every time. And we love all of the uh, all the kind comments and yes. things like that on our on our social media mm-hmm. yeah like, send us messages send us cool, comments um, we'll try to get better about uh maybe tagging who's respond like you know dash michael dash steve so that i mean we, we we operate as a unit though we're a team yeah but yeah we love the interaction we love responding to any comments messages if you guys have suggestions on episodes you guys would like to listen to we'd or, love to hear that yeah we'd love to hear some There's suggestions. so many options yeah what do you want to hear exactly we'd love to hear that and if you guys also know something that we don't know about personally, feel free to reach out and say share what's it. up. Please share it. We love the info. So we'll see you next time in this wild edible world where you can find the best food for free. And guess where you're going to find it, Steve? Where's that? You're going to find it low tide, curbside, and trailside. Switching them up. <laughs> see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>